What's going on, everybody? Nathan King here from the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Wanted to just remind everybody about one of our great sponsors here on the 24-7 Sports Network, and that is Home Field Apparel. What is Home Field Apparel? You guys, the premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis that produces incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs like Auburn and all of their great logos and designs um, that they've had throughout their history. Homefield digs through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your school. Obviously, one of their most popular collections is the Auburn collection now. Now over 20 pieces in total on their site, homefieldapparel.com. If you guys were anywhere on social media, you, you were part of the Peacock movement. Um, if you're an Auburn fan of the Auburn basketball season, they've got a great Peacock shirt and Peacock hoodie that says Auburn Hoops. Easily my favorite design of theirs. Um, it's a great, great piece of uh, piece of work for an Auburn fan to pick up to commemorate this basketball season. You guys can still get 15% off your first purchase at homefieldapparel.com with the code Auburn Undercover. That's all caps, all one word, Auburn Undercover. Please go check it out. You guys love their product, have loved it for a really long time. If you guys have been anywhere in the world of college athletics in the past couple of years in terms of social media, like I talked about, they have been phenomenal. They've done a really good job of branding themselves and they back it up with a great product and Auburn is one of their biggest sellers like that new Peacock uh, jacket I was just telling you guys about. So be sure to go pick that up. Get 15% off your first purchase. Again, promo code, all caps, Auburn undercover at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. I am joined today by Christian and Mark. It is currently Thursday. See, it's August 18th. Um, you're probably listening to this on a Friday morning as Auburn gets ready for its second scrimmage of fall camp. Although I guess, I guess it's not technically camp anymore because class has started. That's, that's that's an area of disagreement, I guess. Um, but I, I don't know. Still, in my mind, it still feels like fall camp. But um, yeah, so their second scrimmage will be Friday afternoon. Uh, a little different than their first one, which was in the evening time in the stadium. Also different than the first one. Um, we'll get to chat with the coordinators afterward instead of the head coach. Um, so we'll get chat with them. And then on Saturday, we get a big old two hour long, you know, giant viewing window for practice. And we'll get to talk to Brian Harson. After that, so um, I say all of that, Mark, to to kind of set the table for this weekend. If you're going to count, you know, Friday, these next couple of days are really going to, you know, if we're if we're kind of getting down to the bottom here of of really trimming away at what you know the skeleton of a of a depth chart is, and really understanding where guys fall on this roster right now. These are some of the final pieces that are about to come into play because, um, like Carson said, I mean, before you know it, it's going to be time to get ready for Mercer. Like, I, it's 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 coming down to it in terms of reps. Of course, we'll talk about the quarterback position, um, but just from what you saw in the first scrimmage, we learned a lot there, and kind of what's developed over the course of this week. What are the main things you're going to be looking out for? Whether it's personnel, whether it's you know developments at certain positions, what are you going to be watching for to, to come out of that scrimmage tomorrow? Yeah, I'm not really sure we're going to get to know who the starting quarterback is this early, but uh, it's, it's about that time where coaches make decisions on who's going to the scout team, um, who's going to be get ready to play for the opening game. And there might be some gray area on some guys. And there's an opportunity to play them early in the season with the redshirt rules the way they are now. You can play you can play a couple games and, and not burn a year of eligibility. Uh, but, you know, to me, 
Nathan and Christian, it looks like they're going to get a lot of help from new guys this year. And, uh, you know, from the junior college guys, from the, especially from the transfers, and a couple of the freshmen are going to play. So I'm always interested after the second scrimmage to get an idea of how many of the, the signings from the uh, early period or from February or just now the transfers coming in at any time how ready those guys are to play and where they're going to fall on the depth chart. So that will be something to, to follow after the scrimmage. Of course, the coordinators aren't going to tell us that Friday night because they're going to want to watch the video of what happened. But they'll, they'll have a pretty good idea of who's really playing well and who they're concerned about. Yeah, it's like the heat is turning up a little bit now for some of those guys. Um, so far, I mean, I feel like the results have been – about as good as you could expect for the most part. You're getting big contributions. Mark touched on it from Keontae Scott, Jeffrey Emba, two Juco guys, freshmen. Uh, I mean, Camden Brown has been a standout all of fall camp. He was last scrimmage. Damari Alston was a standout last scrimmage. Um, and then the transfers as well, they've been kind of sprinkled in there. Craig McDonald, Coy Moore. I mean, so far, everything's been really good for them, but now the heat's turning up. So we'll see kind of we'll, – we'll get a good idea Saturday when we do have that viewing window where – the depth chart might kind of stand a little bit. So we'll kind of be able to see, you know, what did happen during Friday's scrimmage and where do these guys stand now? You know, a big guy too to mention is the transfers, Jason Jones in the middle. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's got a great opportunity to play uh, because Tony fair, they're having to replace him and he's a big body guy like fair and probably more athletic than Tony fair. So hearing a lot of good things about him from everybody. So if he has another good scrimmage, we might see him in the starting lineup on opening night. Jason Jones is one of those transfers, I think, that falls under the radar in a good way. Like he's just kind of slid. He's, you know, he's obviously he was here in the spring, so that helps like that aspect of things. But he's just kind of slid into his spot, and I mean, he's their number one nose guy at the moment. Him and Mark, you know, Marky Sparks is uh, is behind him, rotating in there as well. It, this this doesn't mean anything, but uh, Bo Nix was named the starter the last time they had a true quarterback battle. He was named the starter 11 days before the season opener. Um, so if that were to be the case this year, that is next Tuesday. That has no bearing on this at all. But if anybody would just like to know the last time Auburn had a true you know, name a starter. But I'm not sure you like, you know, in this day and age, you've got like the two extremes. You have programs that make a big flashy announcement like Missouri did with uh, with Baker. Um, I saw Emory Jones was named the starter at Arizona State today. Like some programs like to have these big announcements for who their QB one is. I do wonder, Christian, like once we finally get down to this, it, just because it's so assumed among the entire fan base and surely Auburn is aware that like even if it's a guy like TJ Finley, everyone knows that, that you're going to see Zach Calzada in that first game. You, I mean, you might even see Robbie Ashford running the first, you know, running the offense in those first couple games as well. Um, but I, I say that to kind of to kind of say, you know, talking about the quarterbacks in this scrimmage, um, you know, this is a weird sentence that I probably wouldn't have said like three weeks ago. But um, I feel like Mr. Finley can kind of kind of, you know, strengthen that grip a little bit in this scrimmage. It, certainly if there's a you know replicating performance from the first one, um, you've got to think he just kind of increases his edge. And then, uh, you know, obviously Zach Calzada could could turn the table. So like Mark said, it'll be interesting to see. We get to see them immediately the next day in terms of, you know, how they want to move those rotations about. And obviously all eyes will be, uh, will be on how the quarterbacks perform. Yeah. I feel like for me, the biggest thing I want to see out of the quarterbacks from the scrimmage is I want to see just someone, someone needs to take a step forward. You can't have the same, you know, 
TJ's still a little bit ahead, but he didn't really go crazy. You know, Zach and Robbie were okay, stuff like that. Someone needs to take a jump forward. If that's TJ taking a big jump forward, great. I think that's perfect for Auburn. If it's Zach or if it's Robbie making a big step forward and really contesting TJ, I think that's great for Auburn as well. But you just can't, at this stage, after the second scrimmage, you can't sit at the same spot. You need to keep moving forward. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. I really don't know what we're going to see, to be honest. I mean, we'll just have to wait and see. But personally, I, I think TJ, I think we can all agree, probably leads leads the battle right now. But for me personally, it's still going to be, believe it when I see it, I still kind of would favor Zach Calzada maybe just a little bit. Um, and that, That's a little biased just from what I thought going into fall camp um, and just kind of believe what I see. But, I mean, TJ is – we had the media viewing window this week, and TJ was probably the best. Um I think Zach was right there with him too, though. Um, Robbie was pretty erratic during that period, but I mean, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see and we'll get, I mean, we won't have to wait very long. We'll see on Saturday morning. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think you'd be alone with many Auburn fans. I think that's kind of been the consensus on our board is like, you know, we heard these same kinds of things last year from a guy like Finley. Um, Now, obviously he has made improvements. I think it's interesting to note um, what some of the defenders have said, about him particularly I thought it was interesting Marcus Harris saying that he's getting the ball out quicker um, we can't really get to him is what he's saying on sacks which that's 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 a big departure um, from one of the big things that set TJ Finley back last year was kind of his inability to get outside the pocket um, in one way and then also he, he held on to the ball a little bit too long so I think most Auburn fans are in the position where it's like they know that he you know he's a good player in practice obviously he's a big athlete um, he has you know a really strong arm um, so I, I think you know that's something that Auburn fans are aware of. We're kind of, they're just waiting to see how these guys actually play come Mercer, come San Jose state, maybe into that Penn state game. But then if you're a guy like TJ Finley, you also know that. And you're also kind of carrying that chip on your shoulder. You know, that people are obviously, even though you have the perceived lead at the moment, even if he comes out of Saturday with that lead, I mean, he's, he's still been a guy who's been, who's been doubted. Obviously, you know, a lot of people are behind him because of the ways he helped Auburn last season. But obviously some people are not sure he's the guy for the job. So he's got to, Got both of those things kind of going for him right now. Ike Hilliard is the wide receiver coach. He's from the Steve Spurrier School of Passing Offense, and it means the quarterback throws the receivers open. Spurrier's offense was so hard to defend because the quarterback would throw the ball on the route breaks, and there the ball would be. And, you know, he's such a stickler for, like, run this route, 15 yards every single time. Don't do it 13 or 12 or 16. Do it right. So your quarterback will know where you're supposed to be and he can throw the ball on time. And and you do it perfectly like that, unless you're one of the greatest cornerbacks or safeties uh, in college football history, it's going to be tough to defend that type of thing, especially with a quarterback with a strong arm, whoever it is, whether it's Finley or Zach Calzada, and, and even yeah, everybody's got a strong arm in this in this quarterback group. So I'm curious to see if that helps the quarterbacks out a lot this year because I was not overly impressed with the wide receivers' execution last season. Yeah, and that's such a like that's such good context based on the comments that we've heard and the things we've heard about why maybe a guy like Finley is doing well. You're talking about you know Finley has never. He's a junior now. He's never been in a returning offense before. Obviously, he was at LSU, kind of thrown in the fire. Clearly, he wasn't there the year before because he was only a true freshman. And obviously, he transfers to Auburn his first year in that system. And so, you know, although it's a new new OC, it's still Brian Harson's system. He still has returning experience 
in that offense. So it would make sense if you're kind of, you know, shifting there and making sure it's all about precision and making sure, like you said, Mark, you know, it's exactly where the routes need to be. A guy like TJ Finley is going to have an advantage there over a guy like Zach Calzada, who number one, wasn't here for the spring. And number two has never played with these guys um, before, but I, you know, Christian said, I think a couple shows ago that, you know, maybe we should have expected some of this rust from a guy like Calzada, just because you look at all the like obvious advantages that a guy like Finley has coming back in this system. Um, Mark, speaking of the offense, you know, talking about what we saw at practice this week, um, an- another guy coming back or another position move for the same guy talking about Jeremiah Wright. Um, I believe this is his fourth move on the line of scrimmage for him. He is now back on the offensive line. Obviously, they're trying to make sure that their depth um, is good there, playing both of those guard spots on the interior. Um, seems like it's an okay move for him you know we we talked about this at the beginning of camp but he was a guy where he apparently requested to be moved to defense but what Marcus Harris told us was that you know his, his heart was always kind of on the offensive line so that was interesting either way at the beginning of camp they added some depth on defense and now addition by subtraction they're getting some depth back on the offensive line apparently yeah I'm, I'm curious to see how the guard situation shakes out on offense uh, I'm pretty sure you know they're going to go with the senior tackles Troxel and Zire uh, out there, killing Zire. So, but, you know, inside, you know, it's a question at center. It's definitely a question at guard. Keandre Jones started every game last year. The only guy to do it on the offensive line, but he hasn't been full speed in preseason. And it's a shame because I understand he was exceptional in the summer workouts, uh, but he should be back to full speed soon. And, push it in there. They got some big boys in there competing for playing time. They got some experienced guys too. You know, Brandon council has been playing college football since Teddy Roosevelt was president. So, I mean, there's some really crazy old guys out there on the line. Yeah. Christian, uh, that's, you know, probably besides the quarterbacks, because you always have to start with besides the quarterbacks. Um, Offensive line has been a, has been a big focus um, this week particularly a guy named Tate Johnson has uh, this, this wasn't a guy who, you know, in the off season, many were talking about and saying, Oh, you know, watch out for Tate Johnson to make a, to make a push on the offensive line. Interesting player too, because he's really slimmed down from when he, when he arrived from Callaway is uh, high school teammates with, with tank Bigsby came in at three Oh nine as a true freshman. Now he's at three eighty five. Um, and from talking to guys this week, they said, look, he, he's just fast off the ball. He's, he's so much faster than the rest of the offensive linemen. That's given him an opportunity, like we talked about after the scrimmage. You know, Nick Brahms wasn't able to go. We're still kind of monitoring that situation with him. Wasn't able to go in that first scrimmage. He got first-team reps at center. Continued to see him get first-team reps at center this week. First-team reps at left guard. It really seems like uh, this could be kind of your – I think we talked about this in the offseason saying, watch out for just one of these guys. They've got a lot of these talented young guys. Watch out for one of them to pop up. Seems like Tate Johnson could be the surprise guy who maybe could carve out a starting – I'm not sure where – right now but he, he's got enough talent he's made a huge impression to be able to carve out a starting spot on the offensive line maybe yeah it's like look if nick brahms isn't ready to go he could certainly end up being the starting center for auburn now he doesn't bring a lot of experience but he brings a different element to that room you know if you're if you're stacking up different options if nick weren't available you would look at a guy like a brandon council who's played a lot of different roles i think he played center uh primarily actually when he was at akron so that's kind of a position he's pretty familiar with Brandon Council is going to be a lot bigger, more physical um, at that spot, but also that's a guy who himself has struggled with injuries. Um, and so you, you don't know necessarily what you're getting out of him there. Um, Tate is just, 
and with Jaleel Irvin, he's different from Jaleel too. I think Jaleel is a little bigger, a little more physical there. Tate is just fast, man, um, for the offensive line. He's pretty physical. That's a guy that, you know, you look back to last year and, you know, you maybe speculate like, uh, I don't know if he'll ever play play at Auburn. Like, you know, maybe he's a transfer candidate just, just to go get playing time elsewhere. And all of a sudden he picks up some momentum in the spring. You know, we heard from some people he was starting to get better just overall in the game, off the field and on the field. And now he seems to have put it together. And if Nick Brahms isn't available, the opportunity is right there, man. Um, personally, if it were me, I would probably lean towards Brandon Council just because of that experience um, at the spot. But Tate has clearly done well um, to get himself in the contention there to play at center if Nick Brahms isn't available. Another guy is a possibility at center, as a player Will Friend mentioned to me, is probably having as good a preseason as far as improving as anybody is Avery Jernigan. And, uh, you know, he hasn't played much at all. He's 6'4", 310, or redshirt sophomore, and he can play guard or center too. So, I mean, there's a load of options in the interior line positions right now for this team. Yeah, especially if those reps keep going around. Um, like Mark mentioned, Will Friend talked about Keandre Jones had that had that minor injury. He's not been 100%. Um, Brandon Council hasn't been 100% kind of dealing with a, a, a nagging thing. Um, that's allowed for some other reps at guard here in the preseason. Um, you know, it's interesting to talk to a guy. We're just talking about Marcus Harris. His perspective going against those those guys at center on, in the interior offensive line. It's like Christian said. You know, all of them bring something different to the table. Talking about Brandon Council, just a big dude, obviously very experienced. Tate Johnson is like the complete opposite of that. Very inexperienced, kind of a smaller guy who's just fast off the ball. And then when we asked him about Jaleel Irvin, he was like, yeah, I mean, I guess he's in between. Like, he's a guy who has a little more experience. He was Nick Brahms' backup last year. Um, not as big as Brandon Council, but not as not as fast as a guy like Tate Johnson. I, I appreciated the candor from uh, from Brandon Council because he basically said exactly what Christian just said. When we asked him about Tate Johnson, he was like, yeah, because they came in together for fall camp, that, that late fall camp in 2020. Um, and he was like, yeah, I looked at him and I was just like, I don't know if this guy's ever going to play at Auburn. Um, I mean, he just, I just, you know, he was just being honest and he, he, but that, you know, obviously allowed him to talk about, he said the progression for him has just been unreal. Um, like we've just been talking about, like Will Friend talked about maybe you know, more so than, than anybody else. He obviously has been able to take that big jump. So that, that's Did a player. I'll mentioned another guy too, Brendan Coffey, who has yeah. been around for a couple of years and barely even made a cameo appearance in a game, but uh, he's one of the strongest players on the team just in the weight room. And he's a good athlete and he's six, seven and he's playing guard and he can play tackle too. And that one sort of came out of the blue because I figured he, I'd have him at third team on the depth chart uh, probably this year. And now he's getting mentioned as a guy who's really stepping up. So, it's musical chairs on the offensive line, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see if you know where everybody lands after the second scrimmage. And I guess it's probably going to be a week from uh, Tuesday before we actually get the official depth chart. But uh, I think we'll probably have a good idea before then. Yeah, and let me just touch on this too with Jeremiah Wright. Uh, we were talking about this with Jason the other day. Uh, it's kind of crazy to think about. I was I was just thinking about him getting moved back. It's like, man, this is tough. Like, he doesn't have a lot of time. And then you think about it, he technically has four years still left to play because he had his COVID year and then he had his injury redshirt. So while he is moving back for the 15th time to the offensive line, 
he still has plenty of time to actually kind of still adjust there and settle in. So could end up being a good move in the long run. When he's been healthy, we've heard a lot of good things about him, whether it's at offensive line or defensive line. I remember at the Birmingham Bowl practice, he'd uh, actually moved back over from defense to offense, and he was getting a lot of individual attention up there um, during breaks in the practice on alignments and assignments. And he still wasn't really cleared for contact yet, but he was learning what was going on. So, uh, you know, I remember Jason went to see him down at Selma High School, and uh, and I asked Jason, I said, what do you think? Is he an offensive line or a defensive line? And Jason said, I think he could probably play both, but to me his best spot's probably offensive guard in college. So that's maybe he's where he's going to land. Yeah, the reason I mean the reason we keep talking about Jeremiah Wright every time he every time he switches is not only because it's notable for a position change, but also like what Christian and Mark just mentioned. Every time he's been healthy at either of those spots, um, you know, whether it's the offensive line, him kind of settling in there, guys talking about how strong he was. And don't forget he was probably the standout player of the entire spring, you know, for that staff back in 2021. Derek Mason just could not stop talking about him. And so, you know, you wonder about giving him an opportunity to get healthy, you know, kind of settle in. He's got, you know, massive physical frame. Um, something else that some of the players brought up this week, talking about another advantage for him. Um, you know, he he knows both sides of the ball now. I mean, he not only is, has he switched positions, he has switched positions in the same camp when they're all trying to learn the same plays. And so, um, you know, I think it was Marcus who was saying, yeah, it's kind of unfair because like he knows some of our calls because he was just a part of them. And so he was able to get the jump on us in practice pretty well. Um, so he gives himself a nice little, a nice little edge there. Mark, somebody else we talked to this week that, you know, had a really good first scrimmage was Anders Carlson. Um, you know, really interesting to hear from him. He, uh, Auburn is no stranger to fast knee recoveries. You think about a guy like Will Hastings who you know, had the knee injury in the spring and then turned around and played. I think he checked in in week two of the following fall. Um, so Auburn obviously has a great medical staff and they do, they do a great job of that. But, um, you know, Anders said he's good to go. He said he'll be wearing that brace on his, uh, on his left leg the entire season, but it's just kind of a thin brace, just kind of more for comfort. It's not really going to bother him that much. Um, and I mean, all indications are right now he's, he's going to be there as good as Alec McPherson is. And a, as good of, I think an accidental backup plan that they, that they had by having him in this class, it seems like Anders will be ready to go for the first game. Yeah. He's a um, very smart kid, very mature. Um, you know, he's as experienced as you're going to get because you know, he spent a year as a red shirt watching his brother play and his brother plays, of course, for the in Oakland and the not Oakland for Las Vegas and the NFL. And uh, and those guys train together and they talk kicking all the times. So, uh, he's really good. And I've seen him kick. So, guy's got serious leg. Of course, he's not going to get a chance to kick a 75 yard field goal from that far out, but. Uh, uh, the thing I'm curious to see, guys, is they're going to let him kick off because, uh, uh, you know, he's such a good athlete. He he can tackle an open field, and uh, he was a really good uh, – I think he was like a three-sport guy in high school at Colorado Springs. And uh, But if I was Auburn, I would not let him kick off at least first month or two of the season till it's 100% established his knees all the way back because the guy's got a real future um, in the NFL. I think if he gets in the right place at the right time, and as you've got guys both know, I mean, it's hard to make an NFL roster as a kicker because those guys 
tend to hang on for years after years. It's not like a running backs who turn over every couple of seasons. Sometimes the kickers are there for a, a decade or more. Yeah, I think it's good for Auburn, you know, assuming Anders is good to go and he returns to even just being pretty solid at kicker. You feel good about that, and you feel good about the fact that you can redshirt um, Alex McPherson and you can kind of have him for the future for the next – I mean, realistically, it could be three years. He's that good. He could leave after three years to go to the draft, but three to four years um, after the season. So I think it's, it's a win for Auburn in a couple different areas. Yeah, that's what Anders was talking about. He was you know, saying, well, it's about to be my sixth year of college. And uh, he said he was talking to Alex and Alex's older brother, Evan McPherson, only spent three years at, at Florida. And then he was he was out of there. But I think, you know, pure raw talent. That's kind of how Anders described Alex McPherson. He said he's just a load of talent. Um, you know, Anybody who's watched his, his tape from high school um, knows that much. And so, you know, we'll get an opportunity to see him this year. But like Christian said, it probably four games or less because now you have the opportunity for him to be in the same spot that Anders was in, which really did wonders for the beginning of, of Anders career. Anders sat behind his brother in 2017, just redshirted and, you know, had an opportunity. I think that was before the four game rule came in. Um, so I'm not sure he appeared in a game in 2017. So Alex even has that, you know, the advantage in terms of, in terms of that. Um, we'll, we'll close out here. Obviously again, you know, scrimmage will be, Really big on Friday. We'll have lots of coverage from that. Um, and obviously, we'll have a podcast after the fact. Uh, Christian, high school football now um, is real. It's back. We're seeing a lot of games here on uh, on Thursday, even around the uh, around the state. You and Jason are going to go check out some Auburn guys in the Montgomery area. There's a huge game um, between Hoover and Auburn High at the Gump, and so uh, the Crampton Bowl. And so we're we're you know, obviously plenty of Auburn targets across. The board there. Tell me a little bit about what you guys are going to be doing on uh, on Friday, and then maybe some of the other guys, whether it's commitments or targets, other guys that Auburn you know kind of has their eye on or is already locked up that you're going to be watching for um, these first this first weekend of games. Yes, there's kind of a fun collection of uh, really kind of two big games in state. You talked about it: Auburn High playing against Hoover and Central Phoenix City playing against Hewitt Trustville. Um, so it was kind of a well, which game do we go to type deal? Um, but Central hosts IMG Academy later in the season. Um, so figured we'd go to Auburn High, um, see them face off against Hoover. Uh, you'll remember back to June, there's kind of an edge target. Uh, he's a little – he's solidly down Auburn's board at Hoover, but he's a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, I think it's Josh. I know his last name is Norman. I'm blanking on his first name right now, though. But we'll be keeping an eye on him. Braden Joyner, um, he'll be back kind of – focusing on the offensive line this year he's going to be playing left tackle uh, for auburn high but he projects as a center um, once he gets to college and he will be playing defensive line as well this year but last year he focused really on defensive line because that's where auburn high needed him um, and then also before before going to that game you know we're going to try and catch maybe the second half of that game but we're going to try and catch the first half probably of montgomery catholic um, and jeremiah cobb they'll be facing off against uh miguel tulin uh, out of the mobile area um, so kind of a fun little matchup there and a good opportunity to see Jeremiah kind of see what he can do in person. We know you see the stats um, on the page two 2000 plus yard seasons back to back. I think he can be even better than that this year, as crazy as that sounds as he expands as a uh, receiving back as well. So we're going to catch a couple of those games as well. We'll have our eyes on, I mean, all of the games that Auburn, the Auburn commits are playing, and we'll have updates for you guys afterwards um, with the future Tiger Tracker. Um, you know, Central, they'll be Central and Carmelo English has Hewitt Trustville, like I said. Langston Hughes uh, plays up against, uh, they play Spartanburg this week. Um, so 
there's some fun games in the area, man. I'm just glad we've got stuff going. Um, yeah, so it'll be fun. I live uh, just like a stone's throw over from from Auburn High, and so I was I was a little bit bummed when I remembered that that game will be in that game will be in Montgomery tomorrow because otherwise I'd just head over to to Auburn High and check that out, then play Hoover. I do want to go uh, later this uh, later this fall to some of the um, the flag football games, the women's flag uh, football yeah. league that they've started up. That just looks super fun. And I remember uh, whether it was a year ago, a couple of years ago, Justin had that crazy video of the like game winning two point conversion that was at the UAB stadium for the playoffs. And uh, yeah, that just looks really fun um, So maybe, maybe walk over to a couple of those this year. Is, is Auburn going to get a receiver from Hewitt Trustville Christian? Otherwise they, uh, otherwise they might break the streak here. They've got about four of them on the roster at the moment. Uh, receiver wise, no one I can think of Hewitt. I mean, you've seen some names there, but they've kind of all seemingly come off the board. A guy like a Hunter Osborne at edge or defensive end um, ends up committed to Alabama. So uh, I mean, there's a ton of talent on that team, but Auburn, at least for the 2023 class, does not seem to be well in the mix for those guys. But like you touched on, there's a ton of Hewitt guys on this team. Javarius, there's DeZalen, um, Sean Jackson is a Hewitt guy. There's another one that I'm blanking on right now. Omari. Demar. Yeah, Omari. Yeah. Omar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that just the four? That is all on offense? Yeah, four. Yeah. Yeah, and then obviously you had uh... – the standout a couple years ago was was Noah Igbenogany, who did, you know, everything at Hewitt. It was just kind of a an explosive player. I saw him when I was a, I think he was a sophomore when I was a senior in high school or something like that. Um, in my school, played Hewitt, and uh, yeah, just absolutely untouchable on the field. Uh, fun, really fun, just do it all high school player. Uh, anyway, guys, yeah, so so be sure to look into that. Of course, uh, Christian and Jason will be back on the uh, on the preps trail, which I know they're very. Very excited about his high school football around the state gets back. But, um, you know, there's a pretty important football game going on as well at Auburn. Of course, it's going to be the scrimmage again Saturday. Excuse me, Friday. It's going to be Friday afternoon. We'll have all the updates for you guys, auburnundercover.com afterward. And then the big practice viewing session on Saturday. Lots of notes from that as well. So keep it locked, everybody. Appreciate everybody tuning in and listening. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. That is the number one thing. That helps us out. The intro and outro music is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can follow him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. And until a couple days from now, we will talk about scrimmage. We'll talk to you all later. Everybody have a great day.